What makes a great solar business? How can you learn from the past and prepare for the future so your solar business thrives? We set out to answer these questions and more. My name is Nigel Morris and I'm the Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics. Welcome to Great Solar Business, proudly brought to you by Solar Juice. Well, hello, solar friends, and welcome back to another episode of Great Solar Business. This week, we explore yet more secrets of great solar business and discuss the topic, mergers and acquisitions as a solar growth strategy. Now, M&As might sound like a boring topic uh, that you might hear about in a Hollywood blockbuster from the 80s, but it's actually a real thing. It's actually uh, happening in the solar industry in Australia, and it's worth diving into a little bit. Australia has an incredible amount of solar businesses, something like 5,000 individual companies by most estimates. This has helped to create the most competitive market in the world and to drive prices down for solar buyers. However, it's also, as you would all know, created wafer-thin margins and a Wild West-like market littered with literally hundreds of bankruptcies and collapses. Can our market sustain so many companies competing? Will market consolidation ever happen? Is there a prime opportunity for mergers and acquisitions to enable your survival and growth? To answer these questions, I reached out to Andy McCarthy from RACV slash Gippsland Solar. Andy, welcome to Grape Solar Business. Nigel Morris, great to be here. Good on you, mate. Now, um, let's right off the back, I've introduced you without even checking in. <laughs> is it RACV? Is it Gippsland Solar? Is it RACV Gippsland Solar? It's RACV <laughs> Solar, the- Nigel. <laughs> it's our yes. okay sorry yes but we still have a little bit of gippsland solar blood in us that's for sure yeah you do so to start us off now that i've embarrassed myself and you've uh, clarified everything for the listeners tell us the tell us the racv solar story and uh and and uh you know how did you how what you know what's the story Okay. Uh, well, my wife Kelly and I moved to Gippsland, which is you know where the Latrobe Valley is, all the power stations, of course. Uh, back in two thousand and ten, um, I actually moved down here trying to find a job in the solar industry, and there was really nothing around. Coincidentally, in two thousand and ten, you would imagine that the Latrobe Valley was probably the worst place in the world to start a renewable energy business, <laughs> with the attitudes and the social license challenges that we faced. Yep. Um, so I couldn't find a job, and my wife, who was seven and a half months pregnant, just about to quit work. Um, heavily mortgaged to the eyeballs, said, well, if there's no one to work for, then why don't you just go start your own business and there won't be much competition. Uh, so I thought, <laughs> what a fantastic business move that will be. <laughs> so, so, we, um, so we took about a $10,000 loan off the mortgage and we bought a laptop and some invoice books and bought a little $50 logo on the HP website and we started a little business called Gippsland Solar in our third bedroom. Um, and we did a lot of hard yards over the years, as a lot of um, entrepreneurial startup solar businesses can appreciate, um, and then built it up through good word of mouth and built a good reputation in the in regional Victoria. And um, by 2019, we had five premises, about 80-odd staff, um, and thankfully, very strong reputation out there. Um, and RECV came knocking and said, you know, we, we really want to expand into renewables. Um, it's a really tough market for us to get a foothold. Um, we want to do um, want to discuss uh, an acquisition of uh, Gippsland Solar. Um, I said, "Where do I sign?" <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, 
I, um, I've had several offers over the years to sell our business as we grew, but uh, you know, for me, the alignment of values was absolutely the key. And, and uh, I've often said in previous um, discussions on this topic that I could have sold my business to anyone at that stage, but RECV, the vision they had for being a serious player and investing heavily in renewable energy um, and across advocacy, social impact, supporting communities with renewable energy, you know, we didn't want to have to change the values that Kelly and I had set for the business from day one. And RACV just said, we don't want to change anything. We just want to invest in you. We want to uplift everything you're doing and help you to build a really a great solar business, Nigel. <laughs> um, so here we are. <laughs> Good on you. That's a, that's, um, that's a dream, mate, and well done for hanging out because it's so tempting when you've got a business to, to take an offer as it comes along. Um, and, 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 you know, there's a whole lot of topics around this that I want to touch on, but, you know, you, you've... So you, you've, you've been acquired, but you've also um, made some acquisitions and merged with some other companies along the way. Um, wh- why? Wh- why, you know, uh, you know um, put yourselves in, 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 in the shoes of someone who's maybe not quite as experienced in business and go, well, hang on, if you've got this great business and you're, you're growing uh, beautifully and you've survived the ups and downs of the solar coaster, why bother merging or acquiring another company? Why couldn't you just grow it yourself? Mm, yeah, good point. Um, it really, we never planned to be a, an acquirer of other businesses along the way as we built Gippsland Solar, but, you know, things just evolved. We were working with um, a couple of really good electricians from a local electrical contractor um, you know, these two guys had a team of five. They were doing some installations for us as contractors. They're just such good guys. They ran a, a tight business. They had really good people they'd developed over years. And we started realizing that, you know, these guys are then getting home at night and doing bass statements at 10 o'clock at night. They're fed up with a lot of the elements of running a small business trying to compete in the solar industry, but industry standards change and you're always having to invest in the next thing. It's hard work for them. And so once they started doing a significant portion of their work for us, we said, well, why don't you guys just bring your entire team across and we'll buy your infrastructure and, um, you know, we'll, we'll take your business and fold it into ours. And then, you know, now they're just working for us as in-house installers. Um, and that just works so beautifully. And more opportunities like that came up. And I think over the, the 10 years that we ran Gibson, so we probably acquired three or four um, small businesses and it was really just a natural evolution of a great partnership that just kept developing. Um, and it just works so well for us. We have so many good people in our business that, we have to thank um, because we made an acquisition like that that just enhanced our, um, our uh, intellectual property, uh, the quality of our people, um, and it actually worked out really well for those um, acquirees as well because there was elements of running a small business that are very frustrating, as a lot of us know, that we were able to take all that away saying we'll do the administration, we have our own sales team, we have a really good service team, you guys can just do what you're good at and we can you know, reward you for the business you've built and also provide a really good career for you going forward with Gibson Solar. So what what I think you're telling me then is that it was just a way to simplify your business and expand at the same time and rather than doing it yourself, just grab those partners who are out there who are doing a good job for you and fold them in, right? Absolutely. And I always thought of the sort of phrase M&A or merger and acquisition as being a very clinical, cold kind of um, idea, a business idea. But when it's done well, when it's a true alignment of values and, and everyone wins and you can take a, a really good little business that's doing everything well and just invest in them, invest in their people, give them the latest in full protection and harnesses and infrastructure and put a good team around them, allow them to do what they're good at, um, 
it, it just works so well for everyone. And, and um, you know, they still remain with us, those two guys that we, um, when we acquired their business, they, and they, they're just doing wonderful things. Uh, Josh, for example, is running the biggest um, solar and battery project uh, in Australia on a commercial property at the moment, um, just breaking records and doing things he never would have imagined. So it's just a great example of how a small business doing things really well with a bit of investment, um, everyone can win. I like it. I like it. It's um, it it makes uh, it puts some humanity into that uh, into that uh, term M and A, doesn't it? So the, the the other side of this, um, I guess, which you touched on when we were chatting about this topic um, before we got onto the show, was um, that you know M and A's can be really disruptive for people, and and you know um, bringing new businesses in, changing who your employer is. Uh, you know, shifting people's roles around all the time. But, you know, and you touched on it just then, which is why I'm jumping to it, because you, you, you talk to me about some of the benefits that this can create for staff and, and the ability to create new opportunities. And, and you, you told me a wonderful story about one of the girls in your business the other day. Tell me about that. Um, well, when we started doing some acquisitions um, and talking to some potential partners, um, we thought, gee, there's going to be a lot of work in actually managing the integration um, yep. and activating that acquisition. So there's a lot of work. You know, the actual discussion beforehand, the due diligence process, that's all pretty cut and dry, pretty straightforward. But yep. it's once once you bring these people into your business and you have to learn how to interlock, you know, the two groups of people into the one, you have to yep. learn how to bring a business into your culture and make sure that everybody uh, understands the vision. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very disruptive and there's a lot of uncertainty. And and I know for myself and required by RACV, almost all of my headspace was going towards what does this mean for our people? Um, what am I signing them up to? And what does this mean for their careers? They're building houses, they're having babies, they want to do things in this industry. And the decisions that we're making here, um, we need to be really clear that we're doing something that is good for our people, um, not just good for, you know, Kelly and I, of course, for selling our business. So there's yep. so many human elements that come to blending into businesses into one that you you have to focus on it really heavily and you can't just um, acquire a business, bring them in, say, great, now we have another 16 people in the workforce and then move on. You need to do the time and put the work in and really water those seeds that you've planted over six or 12 months sometimes. Yep. Um, there's a young woman in our team, Sophie, who started just answering the phone calls at the front counter as uh, maybe a 21 year old and she just had so much talent and such a good attitude and she's been rising through the ranks towards heading up her operations um, and now she's managing the uh, integration of our acquisition partners and taking control of that whole process and watching someone like her flourish in the business and taking on this responsibility and making these um, new partners feel welcome and really proud to wear that RECB solar shirt is um it's a wonderful opportunity for her and it's something that she never imagined she'd be doing, you know, five years ago. So opportunity just abounds everywhere when you can get these partnerships right. That's such a beautiful story, mate. I, and, and I love, I love the leadership that, you, that that's coming um, through there. And I don't mean to, you know, stroke your ego there, but, you know, thinking about that genuinely, you know, this is a real opportunity for business owners to, you know, really think hard about these issues and think, you know, what are the opportunities that I can create for my, for my team, for my staff, their people at the end of the day. And if I can create opportunities for them, they're going to be happy. They're going to be productive and, and that's going to be good for them and good for you. So, you know, it's a, it's a really great business strategy. I really, really love it. 
the the other issue that I wanted to the other question I had for you, mate, is you know where where do you go for advice when you when you yeah you know, especially when you you know perhaps a little green under the gills uh, and still trying to work out you know well does this even make sense where how do you how do you seek out mentors mentors and 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 you know how can networks play into all of this so that you can you know not fuck it up. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> that's, assuming, that's assuming you haven't fucked it up, of course. No, no, we've been very fortunate. But it, I think that I think we've, we've created our own luck. Um, there's, there's things that I am good at and there's things that I'm not good at. I think my self-awareness of my weaknesses, are, are, um, I'm hyper aware of the things I need to do better. But one thing that I think I have been very good at is identifying the shortfalls in my own um, capability and, and, and bringing people in to, um, to really beef up those areas. So... You know, I've been able to lean on people that brought a real level of um, commercial and financial acumen into our business. Because frankly, like I, I don't really, I'm not a financial wizard. And, and um, honestly, when I'm looking at a P&L nine or a balance sheet, and we're talking about debt versus equity ratios, um, sometimes I've got like that little monkey in my head playing the tambourine or something like that. And I just, <laughs> <laughs> or I'm looking out the window dreaming up the next big idea because um, it's not my skill set, and uh, I don't pretend sure. it is. Um, so I've been very fortunate. I've had a good business coach over the years who's managed a lot of businesses that, um, you know, firstly, he sold his own business as well. So he's been through that process. Okay. Um, so you've had a coach sitting in the background or uh, helping you out when you need it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And he said, one thing is to make sure you don't get too dazzled because it doesn't matter how good the offer is and how good the alignment of values are. As soon as the ring goes on the finger, so to speak, um, things can change. So you need to be, um, realistic about it and you need to understand that once you give control up of your business you need to be able to draw a line and say it is no longer my business and I need to accept that there are going to be challenges that I'll face giving up that control all founders face that um, of course and so we talked with RECV originally about you know potentially having a third of Gibson solar and building up to 100% and I said I love the idea but you got the number wrong I said it's 0% or it's 100% because you know I want the alignment of values um, and that's worked out really well for us because at a board level now with the RECV Solar Board, when we talk about strategy and we don't always agree on something, I'm able to sit back and say, this is a board decision. This is not my decision anymore because we've sold the business. So yep. there is a yep. level of maturity that has to come with that. And you have to recognize that you are no longer the business anymore. The business has its own seat at the table. and has its own needs and challenges and, and desires. Nice. At a real simple, practical level, mate, where, where would it, if you, you know, solar businesses out there listening to this podcast right now, if you want to find a business coach, where do you find a business coach? Do you look them up in the yellow pages? How do you, how do you find a good business coach? <laughs> well, I've always been told, Nigel, that your network is your net worth. Um, so really all of the good relationships I've built up over the years have just been from you know, a lot of people would know that I'm relentlessly um, <laughs> working on LinkedIn, creating relationships. Um, I love opening doors and just seeing what's behind them all the time. So um, I think building good, strong relationships in business is the key. Um, yep. Another person, I think you've just recently spoken to Eric Zimmerman, I believe, from uh, from Cherry Echo Group. Um, True. I actually, you know, at the time we'd been speaking to RACV and we were about to go through some due diligence and I just reached out to Eric on LinkedIn. I said, look, I just wanted to say, I have so much respect for what you've done with your um, with your business, the way you built it up, the way you've exited the business. And uh, we just caught up for a coffee and, you know, we just chewed the fat, talked about industry challenges. And 
uh, that sort of stuff. And, and um, you know, he was able to provide some good guidance. Um, we weren't talking about specifically about our business being acquired, um, but I was just, we were just able to sort of connect and, and realize that there's more that unites us than what separates us as uh, leaders in the solar industry. So I think not being afraid to reach out to other peers who may be considered competitors is the key. Um, a good mate of mine, Eddie May from South Australia, said to me a while ago that this industry is going to um, be in a lot of trouble if it doesn't start to collaborate. Um, mm -hmm. and, and really, when you sit back and look at the size of the pie, the gigawatts of opportunity, if we're really going to cross swords over such a small percentage of that market when we could actually combine our forces and create a bigger um, and better industry, then we'd be crazy not to do it. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm right there with you, mate. I, I like that advice. And, and you know, the, the good thing about the solar industry, it is it is full of, uh, well, it's full of all sorts of characters, let's be honest. But there, are, if you aren't around, there are some wonderful, wonderful people who will share and, and will um, give you the benefit of some of their lessons along the way. So that's great. So this is... Um, this reminds me of a of a problem that I had, Andy, uh, and we were chatting about having an exit plan in a business. And I know this was this was a valuable lesson that I learned uh, in my own business. I had a consultancy business for six or seven years, and the problem that I had was I made the business too much about me. Everything was done by me. Everything was me, 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 me. You know, my ego took control. And when it came time to actually try and sell that business, I couldn't transfer it. How did you deal with that issue? Because you know, you've you've sold your business and you've made some acquisitions, you know, how do you, how do you grapple with that? Oh, well, we, we had the most unsellable business ever uh, three or four years ago. I mean, we, we made all those mistakes too, Nigel. Everyone does. Um, <laughs> Thank goodness. I think when you, when you start a business in your third bedroom as a husband and wife in our situation, you, you're not, you're not thinking, um, you're not thinking about what happens in 10 years time when you have 85 staff and you can sell it to RSCP. You, um, <laughs> you know, you, you, all you have is a dream and you think I've got a hundred invoices in a book here. My job is to sell a hundred systems and fill the invoice book. Yep. Um, so you, you know, you don't make those plans for an exit strategy um, at that stage. And, and, you know, in our example, um, back then our biggest competitors in solar were, you know, um, true value solar and clear solar and these big companies, we're big, we have scale. And, you know, we decided to run a campaign, you know, called Andy from Gippsland Solar. And so I'd open every ad going, hi, I'm Andy from Gippsland Solar over and over again for years. And the sales pitch was that we are the local alternative to the big solar companies. Um, so you're not calling Gippsland Solar, you're calling Andy because he'll look after you. He won't do the wrong thing um, and you can trust him. So that's all well and good. And then, you know, when you got 10 and 20 and 25 staff and you've got all these dramas and people are ringing the 1300 saying, I want to talk to Andy. Um, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, this is not going to work. <laughs> so, so, you know, you have to pivot and then you make it about your team. Um, yep. And for someone like me who was an awful micromanager, that was the hardest thing I ever learned in business was how do I just trust in my team, give yep. them the tools and empower them to do the very best that they can every day and not get involved and interfere. Um, yep. So we went on that journey. And then I think we also realized a few years ago that it was not healthy when only one person could do a specific role in the business. They, they can't take annual leave because their emails are just waiting for them when they get back. And you, you can't sell a business because it's too reliant on people. So now um, we've built a situation in the business where two or three people can do each role and we can just move around and step in and out of roles and support the team. Uh, and any one of us can leave now and the business will be absolutely fine. It'll open the doors tomorrow. It'll keep doing what it does. It'll be successful. So 
it's yeah. just a process. But process. I think so much, all of, so much of this is all about process, isn't it? It's about building yeah. healthy, healthy processes. And we've heard a number of things that you've said throughout that com- that, that 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 little um, spiel. We, we've heard in other episodes where people talked about having to get the process right and having to, you know, pick your time and pick your battles and all those kinds of things. But you know, get your processes in 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 place, right? Yeah, absolutely. And also to remember that there are people out there who specialize in making businesses ready for sale. So, you know, it might be a 12 month process. So we're talking to businesses about potentially acquiring them in six or 12 months time saying, these are the things that you need to do to get your house in order to make your business ready for sale. And you cannot start that process too early. It's really, really important that if the right offer comes along and there's too much of the business in your head or you've done things that mean your business is not sellable, you get, you could really regret it. Yeah, nice. So that's a that's a really very valuable tip. And and you know if I can if I can summarize what we what we've heard here, it's that you know you you don't know what the future holds when you start out in business. But as you go, you know, leverage your networks, find bi- good business coaches, uh, uh, think about your processes and systems because they can make you an awful lot of money if you get them right and allow yourself to to either be acquired or or, or acquire others. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, um, think about the people involved as well because there's huge opportunities and huge benefits. Uh, by wrapping all of that up together into um, uh, changes that you can make for for your team and for your staff that are going to help them and your business. That, Valuable, that's absolutely but- key. For, yeah, for me, like I just want to touch on that people thing again, Nige, because I think the risk, and I see a lot of businesses that fall into this trap, and I have done it in times as well, as the business grows, you lose sight of the fact that it's all about the people. Like I don't see 100 names on the payroll at RECV Solar. I see 100 people with a story. I see someone's got a dad who's really unwell and they can't visit them because they're in lockdown or someone's about to have a baby and their wife's finished working or they're building a house and they've got financial, like everyone has a story. And if you make your business too much about um, the business and not about the people, I think that's when you start to lose some of the magic. Yeah, I love it. Well, uh, don't lose the magic. Uh, Hold on for a second. Let's take a breather because this has all been really valuable, but let's hear a message from our sponsors. SolarJuice is Australia's leading solar distributor, providing complete residential and commercial rooftop solar component solutions. SolarJuice aligns themselves with brands that share their values of service, support, quality and value for money, like their panel brands REC, Hyundai, Trina and Longy, their inverters SMA, Fronius and SunGrow, along with the Tesla Powerwall battery. Check out solarjuice.com.au and let SolarJuice help you become a great solar business. All right. Um, uh, always uh, couldn't uh, couldn't thank our sponsors enough. Uh, thanks for the team at Solar Juice for keeping us uh, fed and watered while we uh, have these awesome conversations. Um, Andy, we're we're going to run out of time quickly, but let's um, let's try and wrap up and um, think about think about some of the things that are coming down the track in the future. Uh, firstly, with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, what advice would you give to other business owners in, in, in how to, you know, how to even, you know, they're, geez, they're thinking about their crews, they're thinking about their trucks. We've, we're, we're all in the midst of another bloody lockdown. Um, how do you, how do you find the headspace? And, and in hindsight, what advice would you give other business owners to prepare for mergers or acquisitions? Uh, for me, I spent too long getting bogged down in the day-to-day operations of the business. Um, what I, what I realized too late 
is that I'm not an operational mastermind and um, I can do those things. I can be in there managing the flow of vehicles out into the field and all that sort of stuff. I can do that, but it, it's not where my value is. My personal value, I believe, is in making sure that my calendar is clear enough that I have time to just just go and just think, where are we going? How are we going to get there? How am I going to bring my team with me? Um, I see so many people um, in very high positions whose calendars are just back to back with meetings and they're so busy doing things, they forget to just stop and think about where they're going and what the vision is. And, and um, you can't spend enough time thinking about that. I, I got, got to a stage um, prior to the sale of the business where I was probably only actually doing, you know, in inverted commas, 25 to 30 hours a week of work. And the rest of the time, I was just stopping and taking a deep breath and looking around and going, where do we want to be? Um, it just gets nice. so cloudy sometimes on the day-to-day that you forget about the vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. That's, that's perfect advice. So how do you expect your business now? You've gone through this. You've, you've, you've made another acquisition announcement recently. You picked up another one of your, your little um, install partners, I believe, um, to you know keep your capacity growing. Um, you've, you've bedded down the RACV brand into your business now and, and you're rocking and rolling. What's coming in the next one to two years for you? What, what do you think you're going to have to change in the next one to two years? Uh, well, our business is going to become much more than a solar business. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just bouncing off the walls with enthusiasm for, as RECV Solar, what we can achieve. Um, I'm just, you know, we talk to businesses and we're not just putting solar on the roof now, we're leveraging all the parts of the RECV network. So let's talk about your vehicle fleet and your insurance and your, and your security package. You know, we're talking to homeowners about bringing emergency home assist by RECV into the deal. You know, we're, we're connecting the dots between the RECV enterprise. There's things that we can do that solar companies just can't do. Um, mm. And you combine that with the couple of million members that we have and obviously the big balance sheet of RECV, but focusing on those grassroots community values that we've always had, um, you know, donating systems to regional communities or um, kids' shelters escaping domestic violence or, or, or bushfire relief um, emergency power hubs, things like that, where we're doing things with social impact and then we're getting commercial benefit as a result. But but the heart of what we do is all about social impact and strengthening these communities and renewable mm. energy is a wonderful way to do those things. So on so many levels, Nige, I could talk about it all day, but I, I just, um, <laughs> I jump out of bed every morning um, just wanting to run through brick walls to just go and achieve these goals because I just see no limit to where we can go. Yeah, nice, nice. And, and what I'm hearing there is opportunities for diversity, right? If there was, if you could sum all that up in what you sort of change in your business is it's, it's diversity, right? Absolutely. And I mean, I think I've heard several people on your podcast talking about diversity, that it, this industry is so dynamic and we've unfortunately seen what happens if you get too pigeonholed into just focusing on just residential solar or just commercial solar. And then you get headwinds like COVID or lockdown or interest rates or, or feed-in tariffs or any of these things that can knock you off course. Yep. You have to have a diversified business model to be able to ride through the peaks and troughs of the solar coaster, as I believe you told me one time, uh, we call it. Um, it's just it's just really important. So, you know, yep. we're, we're moving from a time three years ago, you, you would never have said that um, a million dollars worth of battery storage on a business would pay for itself quicker than a million dollars worth of rooftop solar fitting into the grid. Um, but that's almost where we're going now. Like battery storage can feed into the network and pick up 10 parts of the value stack. It can play in the frequency control market. It, there's things happening in this space 
and we haven't even spoken about electric vehicles and how yeah. every electric vehicle is like 80 kilowatt hours of usable storage sitting in the garage. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, it's just like, where do you look every day? Oh. Where do you look and where do you spend your energy? Because it's just moving so quickly. And I can't think of another industry like it. And um, sometimes it feels like dog years where one year in solar is like seven years doing anything else. <laughs> but, um, but I was but just thinking that I'd rather be. I was just thinking the same time. I think there was a time, uh, you know, 10 years or more ago when I, um, when you were vomiting in a toilet courtesy of the free beer that I provided when I had a big gold card. And, uh, who, who would imagine that here we are with, um, with all these opportunities to do fascinating things, right? I think that was 20 years ago, Nige. Oh, jeez. 20 years ago. It is yeah. dog years, you see. It's just oh, amazing. It's just amazing to think, you know, 20 years ago when we um, when I started selling 80-watt solar panels for water pumps and electric fences that we'd be doing three megawatts of solar with 10 megawatt hours of battery on a shopping centre. For people that aren't that fussed about the environmental benefit, it's just a great way to deploy their capital and get a good, um, get a good financial return. I mean, it's, it's yeah. remarkable where we've gone. Remarkable, isn't it? Remarkable. All right, mate, last question. We've got to wrap it up. Get your crystal ball out. Um, what, what's, your, what's your most controversial prediction for the next year? What, what, what do you think you can see coming that no one else can see coming for the next year? Oh, gee, oh, gee that's a tough one. Um, I don't know about the next year, but, but I think we're going to see the, you know, potentially the terminal decline of the big energy retailers, Nige, honestly. Um, Oof, yeah, I'm the convinced. financial statements don't look good, do they, at the moment? No, I'm convinced that there are going to be some big, big scalps along the way here. It's the big incumbents. I think they're in significant trouble. Um, first of all, clearly, they have to diversify and then try and divest from what they've hitched their cart to for years and years and years. Um, but secondly, they have to try and change the whole values and, and, and the buy-in of, of everyone in their business to say, this is not what we are anymore. This is where we're going. And they're big ships to try and turn. Um, mm. You know, in the next year or two or three, the next billionaire in this industry could be some guy working in his garage thinking of smarter ways to send electrons around the grid and use electric vehicles um, to try and create the next bit of software. He, he might not even own anything in terms of infrastructure. He, can or just, she. he or she can just move electrons around the grid in the smartest, most responsive way possible. And they could end up becoming worth more than one of the big three energy retailers, I believe. Oh, it's so true, isn't it? It's so true. That's a that's a beautiful way to wind up the show, mate. I think there's uh, there's enormous opportunity, and um, you know, come on, kids. Uh, my 18 year old's up there uh, working from home or schooling from home. Of course, hopefully he's. Uh, uh, looking at something online that uh, is is coming up with the next big idea to make him a billionaire and um, uh, nothing that he shouldn't be looking at. Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, but we are out of time. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. Always love to chat, Nige. Good on you, mate. Well, friends, that's a wrap. My name is Nigel Morris. I'm Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics. I hope you picked up some tips on how to build a great solar business and look forward to talking to you again soon. Great Solar Business was brought to you by SolarJuice, Australia's leading solar distributor. SolarJuice aligns themselves with brands that share their values of service, support, quality and value for money. Check out solarjuice.com.au and let SolarJuice help you become a great solar business.